right, so we are on episode two of our podcast. We actually survived the first time. How exciting. People liked us <laughs> enough to want us to come back and do this again. Or not kick us off the internet. Not kick us off the internet. Whatever it is, we're back here. We're doing this again. This is yeah. number two. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. So what's going on with uh, your real estate this week? We've like seen an uptick. We have seen a bit of an uptick in the market. Our showings, isn't it interesting? Our showings, uh, our showings definitely did did a uh, a little bit of a pop up, which was good. We had a yeah. couple quiet weeks, and now we've seen uh, our showings pop up, which is a good thing to note. Yeah, I feel like a lot of my like buyers are starting to come out of the woodworks, looking for the spring, and then talking about what the opportunities are right now in this market. I mean, it's look at you. You're jumping ahead on some of these questions. Oh yeah, already. no, no, I'm I'm really really sorry about that. No, but, yeah, not at all. I mean, like we, yeah, we put like Jacob under your contract and we are like, we had a couple clients coming in from out of town. I love that people are moving back to Chicago. I think that's right. the most amazing thing. I mean, obviously we always want to be advocates of our city. Yeah, and you and I, we always, we love the energy that our clients bring to us, right? The pulse, the pulse of the city, the pulse and the energy of our clients. And anytime we see an uptick, I, I just notice it in us, right? We're just more totally. excited about what's happening. So. So that being said, do you want to just jump let's, in? <laughs> let's get started. Let's get started. So a couple of quick reminders and disclosures. We always have to start with this first and foremost. Amanda McMillan, Samuel Shahan. Samuel. We are experts and advisors in Chicago, Chicago real estate. Yes. Not suburbs, not Kentucky, not California, not anywhere else. We are talking about Chicago real estate, downtown urban neighborhoods. That's what we are advising on now. Yeah. Um, also, our goal in this is to is to put information out there. Yeah. There's no there's no agenda, right? We're here to just put the information out there so that our clients that are watching other people can make smart decisions for themselves. We're not trying to spin the data, we're not trying to convince anybody to buy or sell that's not interested in it. We are literally just here to kind of put some words out there and and then let let those people digest them the way they want to. You mean we're here to talk? We're here to talk. And we like listening to ourselves. <laughs> That's like the easiest thing. <laughs> Samuel likes to All listen right. to himself. So let's get started on that front. Thanks yes. to everybody that put questions out there yeah, over the yeah, past yeah. 30 and days. Keep them coming in. Like they're keep really, them coming really, in. really good questions. Yeah, we're seeing great stuff out of there. So I'm going to dive in. The first question we have is a little bit of a repeat from, from last session, yeah. but it's a really important one now. So we, we figured since it was coming back in, we had to address it again, maybe with a little bit of a different spin. Totally. Okay. Let's go into it. All right. There's, there, do you want to read it or do you want me? You take it. You want to, All right. So there's so much negativity in the media regarding the real estate market right now. Should we be concerned? Okay. The media. I'm going to take this one. You, okay, you, you let me take it. it. I'll let you jump in at some point. The media is very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're, they need to capture interest, right? In our minds, we think the media needs to basically tell the story and put the information out there, but realistically, their jobs are to capture interest. Now, it's interesting. I was talking to a client of mine who's actually in advertising and TV production, and she made an interesting comment to me. She goes, Amanda, it's not about capturing interest. It's about selling ad space. Totally, you want more eyes on your media. And I thought, what an interesting way to, to think about it, so that they need consumers to watch, read, listen, because the way that they make money is not by telling the story, they make money by the people that advertise during the stories. Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you think about it that way, they're great at what they do. But we always know that there's some spin in it and why it's so important right now. What we're seeing out there is so much of a backlash from the media. The media is, is, is right, wrong, or indifferent, putting a, a spin on things, not intentionally to mislead, but to intentionally get their ad dollars. Totally. So for example, I read an article last week, uh, Crane Chicago Business. They have been up and down in everything. Every single headline has been different. So oh. what are they talking about? The headline was Chicago homes halved in sales. Very dramatic. <laughs> Very dramatic. I did see that article. Okay, so the thing that I thought was so interesting, that title in itself creates fear in me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm an advisor and that creates fear in me, so I can only imagine what happens to other people. Now, when you read the article, first and foremost, you're gonna realize that, I'd say a good 80% of the article references the suburbs. Talks about the suburban Chicagoland, all of those things, but it doesn't necessarily go back to the headline of Chicago. About two-thirds of the way through the article, there is one line or one paragraph on Lincoln Park condos. It says that sales of Lincoln Park condos are down 41%. Now, a normal consumer, when they see negativity towards something, they automatically think price. Down. Yeah. They don't necessarily think that's about the number of transactions, yes. not the price. That's their first knee-jerk reaction. Mm -hmm. Okay. Even if I clarify and say it's about the number of transactions, 41% down seems very drastic. Now, if you keep reading into that article and you go another third <laughs> down to the very last paragraph, the next thing it's going to say is, oh, by the way, side note, the, the amount of inventory was down 43%. Yes. So, huh. So, it, so essentially, like, supply is matching the demand. So it's... So rather than saying, hey, guys, our inventory is down 43%, and therefore our sales are down... 41%, that's a way to put the, the information out there so that we can digest it properly. Totally. They just put a little bit of spin on it to create a little bit of emotion in you. Anyway, so it's one of those things that's really, really a big topic for us right now. I know you've been educating your clients a lot on it, but it's important for us to note that we have to digest the media fully, completely, and then reach out to your advisor to figure out what the heck it's trying to say. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. You were doing something, I, mean, I think, with, with, weren't you doing something with the headlines with your clients? Yeah, so I, I literally have the headlines all right here of every single uh, article that they've written in the last, like, two weeks. And it literally goes, one day is, despite everything, home prices keep growing. Okay, so positive. Next, so positive. The next one says home sales halved in some places as demand chilled. Okay, the roller coaster That's the second one. just dropped. That's the one that you were talking yep. about. And then the housing market is slowing and sellers are freaking out. Okay. That's the next one. And then two signs Chicago housing market isn't crumbling as fast as others. Wow, I got a little a little seasick just listening to those. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you like go into those articles, what we're realizing is Chicago's not like the other markets. We are seeing transactions go down, but the big thing is we've had the most amount of sales in the last two years. Sure. And so naturally, most people move every seven to ten years. If a lot of people moved in that last two years, they're not moving again. Absolutely. So that's why we're seeing a decline in a lot of our transactions. I mean, and that, I, that's the point that we keep talking about is that, especially when you're reading the news, 
there's a huge differentiator between the number of sales and prices. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything goes back to like supply and demand, right? Basic economics. Totally. If the supply is there and the demand is there, that's going to adjust your price. And right now, both of those are, are going down, but the price is staying relatively the same because the supply is outweighing the demand as well. So, so. long story short, the media is selling the drama right now. And, yeah. and that it's, it's, we ourselves have to keep ourselves off of the emotional roller coasters and our, totally. our consumers do as well. And that's where, you know, we, so much of our days right now are educating our clients on doing this and talking about when people call me freaking out, right? Sellers are freaking out about what they read so that we can really help conceptualize what's happening out there. Yeah. So what are you telling your clients, right? Your sellers right now, if they're getting into the market, I guess. Well, I think that goes back to the lot of the strategy. What are their end games? What are their plans? What are they trying to accomplish? Right? This yep. is so much. I think strategy is one of those things that a lot of people in our industry don't spend enough time on. We do a ton of this with our clients. We do a lot of planning, a lot mm -hmm. of strategy because we say, Hey, what are your end goals? And then how do we get there? There are some people that want to take advantage of this market if it aligns with their strategies and yeah. their goals. And then there's others that are not. So there's different things that are going to be put into play. So it's, it's a hard thing to say, hey, this is the, this is the blanket answer of what we're going to say. Yeah. But there are absolutely different people that are taking advantage of different things right now, for certain. So are you doing something differently with your clients as well to like set expectations about this market? 100%. 100%. So what are, what are the different expectations you're trying to do? Well, right now we know, right? There is some truth in what the media is saying, right? They don't, they're not lying. Yeah. Is that home sales are down. Mm -hmm. Pricing is a little softer. This is things that we always see in Q4. So with that being said, our, our expectations need to be realistic. It is not typically a time that the majority, not all, but the majority yeah. of homes, we're not putting them on the market and having six offers within three days. Now, that being said, we are listing some stuff that has that reaction. So it's very based on the, the home product, the location, what it is, but setting a very realistic expectation of what our market experience is going to be and how that then goes back into our plan is something that is very, very important. Right? Yeah. People only really feel scared if they don't have a level of expectation. Oh, totally. I think there was an article, I mean, Cranes actually in one of their articles said that 56% of homes sold within the first two weeks in September of 2020. Yep. And then they relayed it on to 7%. 7% selling that within one. the first two weeks now, yep. like in September 2022. So, I mean, like, we have to understand that even two weeks is a really fast paced market. Absolutely. And I mean, like, prior to the pandemic, our average days on market was over 80 days. So what we're trying to do is we're we're coming back to a normalized market. Right. I think and that's like the biggest. Normal isn't so bad. Normal isn't bad. Most economists are predicting some level of a recession. Some are saying we're in one right now. Someone say we're on the brink of it. Whatever the case may be, how will this impact the real estate market? Yeah. So I think like we talked about last time with like the housing recession, like people are like using that as a buzzword. Um, you know, it, it is a thing. I think home builders are feeling it in different markets, but obviously Chicago, I don't think we're going through necessarily a housing recession, but the recession is talking about interest rates going up and the other impacts that are going to happen on. And so if you 
look at like Jay Powell talking about you know, uh, trying to put a little pain in our markets <laughs> where you know, we're going to try and uh, disrupt employment because wage growth is like too much and yep. the amount of jobs that are out there is just too much as well. Um, but I think like that is where we're going to ultimately go. But just because that happens, we are seeing a lot of our consumers having a lot of savings. Obviously, from 2020 and 2021, there was a lot of growth, and a lot of people saved up a lot of money because that. I think that's also helping the housing market. And we're going to see, you know, the last nine recessions, we've had eight of them have growth appreciation in pro uh, properties. Yeah. And so many great points in there, Samuel. You know, I think it's a few things. Number one, recession in general is a very scary word. Yes. It's automatically kind of penetrates and causes fear. That's what we think, a recession, yeah, it's, it's negative. Unknown. It's, it's unknown, it's a lowering, it's a balancing. I think the things that we forget about is that oftentimes we are putting these recessions into place to normalize markets. Yes. In theory, if our economic markets, housing markets, whatever markets we're talking about, if they perpetually went up, we'd be in a really, really bad spot really quickly. I mean, even we can look back to the housing crisis because we've talked a lot about this. Part of that downturn was so severe because the government got involved prior to that and kept our market from not balancing because of fear of September 11th. Yeah. So recessions, I think first and foremost, I think we have to kind of come to terms with the fact that they're not they're Always not, a bad thing. They're not negative. Yeah. Right? They feel negative to us because we look at our specific situation at that current time. And at that moment, it feels negative because, right? My accounts are down. My accounts, Your accounts are, are, way are down. down. Whatever that case may be. And that feels bad. But when we kind of step back and we take a look at it and we say, okay, the markets are down, but our, our overall market is more stable and healthy, that's long term. Totally. That's what we're hedging our bets on is knowing the long term. So we have to understand that the decisions that the government is making with regards to inflation and everything else is helping to calm our financial markets, calm our housing markets and everything like mm -hmm. this. This is on purpose. So it yeah. feels negative, but it's on purpose. And I think the point that you made that's so great during these times, people look at real estate as a hard asset. And that's intriguing to a lot of people. Well, I mean, like if you look at even our markets today, right? Like we've sold way more high-end homes mm -hmm. than any other market that we've had in the last like six years. And a luxury lot of the reason, is luxury the is like blowing up right now. And yeah. the reason is because a lot of those people who have money understand that that is a safe asset and that it's, it totally. makes sense to park your money into real estate instead of into the stock market or being cash heavy or yeah. something like that. And I want to come back to the other point you made because it's a really, really important one. From the data we have on the last nine economic recessions. Yes. In eight of those recessions, home values on average went up. There was only one time, one recession in which we saw home values go down, and that was during the? Housing crisis of 2008. And the reason that that was is that that wasn't a straight economic recession. That was a collapse of our mortgage structure. That was a huge financial mess that essentially turned into, that caused the recession. Yeah. These are recessions, if you look at most recessions, the recession leads the way. That was a housing crisis that turned into a recession and not vice versa. 
Yeah. So that's a pretty strong data point. Well, that it? was a depression almost. Like that, I mean, like if you look at what an actual recession is, it's two quarters of negative GDP. Sure. That was three years of recessionness, which really means it's a depression. Totally. So like, yes, housing prices dropped. And we're still here to talk about it. We are still here. We all survived. Smarter, wiser, better. Yeah. Most of us. Most of us. <laughs> but... But I mean, also with that, we learned a lot from that recession was banks don't want to own properties. We want to, like, it, they just don't want to. They, right. they lose a lot of money. So they're trying to keep people in their houses as much as possible this time. So long which is what we short, saw during, right? Which is what we saw during 2020. They were like, mortgage forbearance. Right. Let's extend it. Yeah. So I mean, long story short, I think essentially we can't predict the future. We We've can. tried. Mm -hmm. um, but based on, once again, the data and what we've seen in the past and where we're at today, the likelihood of seeing a long-term loss of value yeah. is not. Yes, we may see some temporary, some artificial, some seasonality, some balancing of the market. This isn't the stuff that tends to really last. This is the stuff that we feel every year at the end of the year from that perspective. Uh, is it true? So next question, is it true there are new mortgage products to assist with the current marketplace? Oh, that's a good question. Um, short answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, this has kind of been a fun one. I feel, like, I feel like lenders in general, or lending institutions, I should say, have really been trying to jump in. Obviously, we're in extreme circumstances, right? In my 20 years, I've never seen the interest rates more than double in a in a 12-month period of time not in this short of a time frame yeah yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying in a 12-month in a period of time our interest rates have essentially more than doubled mm -hmm. and we are expecting them to go up more first and foremost the power bid right yeah that came out in the spring because it was so competitive which was really great yeah so essentially what this is is this is a product that where a uh, certain lenders not everybody but certain lending institutions would literally approve a client without a property. So typically you can't full, put in a full application until mm -hmm. you have the home, but they were willing to go through the whole Before process. Before you get the pre-approval. Exactly. You get pre-approved and then you use the pre-approval and you still don't have like everything. Exactly. This is literally you're submitting tax returns and bank You're going through the whole everything. approval process without a property so that a lender can say in good faith, I have vetted your entire, entire file subject to that property, that appraisal, that condo approval, whatever it is, you are good to go. So what is the positives about that? So as we did say, there are still in the spring, this is something and the summer, we use this a lot. Totally. This was something in a competitive offer. It gave us the ability to write more compelling offers to be able to say, hey, either there is a mortgage contingency in there, but it's real short because we only need it for such and such. Or we had some clients that were a little bit more risk takers that said, hey, I'm okay writing a cash offer subject to a mortgage yep. to make themselves a little bit stronger. Now, some people might be shaking their heads now and saying, oh, that's a thing of the past. We don't need that anymore. There are still we, markets out there that are we've competitive. Had like, we've had like three or four multiple offers with clients in the last month. Exactly. I mean, it's still a fast paced market. And, and next year, we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about next year, but next year, this is gonna be a product that I think once again, serves us well. Yeah. Um, Another one, uh, lock and shop. You have used this a lot with our clients. I like it. I mean, for me, in an interest rate increasing market, it is a way to 
kind of lock in and not have a lot okay, of risk. Okay, talk, talk to me like I don't know what it is. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. is lock okay. and chop? So lock and chop is essentially you lock in a mortgage rate in that moment. So you like lock it right like, now. You lock it right now. It's only some lenders who are doing it yeah. right now as well. So just preface. Um, but essentially what you do is you lock in at the interest rate right now for 30, 60, or 90 days. Those are the different products. So if you're looking to purchase in that time frame, like if you're in, if you're in, in the game, if you're in the game, do it now. Yep. So then if interest rates increase in that time frame, which, which we've seen, yep. it keeps that interest rate at that lower rate, which is great. Right. You do pay a little bit of a premium up front for that lock but at least you save in the long term. The totally. other great thing about it is if the interest rates do go down because interest rates have been down. volatile, you can float down for free one time. Now, so, is there any drawbacks to it? Within, do you have to pay for it up front or anything like that? Is there so any? you don't pay for it up front. You do pay for it at the at the closing table. So okay. that's like one of the big things, but it's a little chunk of change. I mean, a couple like $1,000, $2,000, just depending on the product. But, sure. you know, it's... It again gets you in at that lower rate, which so when we've saves seen interest rates make the jumps that they have, I know we've done it. Yes. We've had clients that literally have been able to shave a, a point off of their interest yes. rate because they they put into this program and they got themselves into a better situation just by saying, "Hey, now what happens? Just play this through with me. What happens if you get to the end of your timeline and and no no property comes up? So if no property comes up, um, so let's start with let's say like you're at day 90 and we need to push it a couple days back there is a penalty for it okay that's it's a per day it's like a, rate like, lock it's, a extension. it's like a per diem that you like okay just push it back so if it's hey i'm i'm at 90 days and we're closing in 95 yeah. don't worry about that but if you don't find a property and you need to like push it we can re-extend it okay. and say hey let's but there's no penalty let's re lock it this moment but there is no penalty okay. which is like the great thing so there's so, not a lot of downside yeah there's no downside which was like the best part of this product yep. and which is why we pushed it so hard for a lot of our clients for them to save money totally um the the last piece which i know are i think we've got a question right after this that actually concentrates on it but yeah so the other thing that i did want to mention is that for lower income households yeah. there are different products that have been around yep like way before that are now here again. They're so resurfacing back they're up. They're resurfacing. So like the IDA program, which is a really great program. Um, if you were making under, I mean, back in the day, it was like 65,000. But now it's and 100 and... No, so that's a different product. Oh, you're talking about the Yeah, so the IDA program, um, they run out of money a lot of the times. Yeah. A lot of these programs do. So if you we know about it, jump on it yeah um but that was that's one product it's like sixty-five thousand. it's lower pmis like all of that sure. there are also other banks that are out there that are pitching lower interest rates closing cost credits closing cost credits so definitely like talk to us and strategize yeah. like what we can do so that you actually are saving awesome yeah. well i think the other thing that as i said the two the, one buy down is a is a really interesting product we have a our i think our next question is on it so we can talk yeah. a little bit more about it with totally. that but i think the 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 really important thing to note with this is that there's a lot of options right now there's a lot of things going on in the mortgage world that give us the ability to come back to that plan and that strategy so it's not just like oops interest rates are seven percent now that's yeah. what we're going to take and that's what we're going to do next month we might well, next week we might be saying eight percent whatever the case may be i think we just have to do a lot more planning when it comes to that because totally. there's some really really great options out there for right now 
Yeah, and a lot of it is, uh, it's the price of uh, the price of doing business right now. Right. But again, we like even talk about this like with past clients. It's a normal interest rate is between five to six percent. I think we talked about it last time. So a seven percent interest is a little bit of a swing to the right. But at the end of the day, if you look at what a standard interest rate is, it's not that drastic. We're just looking at it from a three percent interest. Interest rates in general. I, I think we need to change a little bit the way we think about them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, we, you and I have been talking about this, this is a little bit generational, right? Our yeah, we're parents, just not used to it. Our grandparents are people that, that stuck with whatever they did. They bought a house and they lived in it for 30 years. They went to a job and they worked it for their entire, one company for their entire life. Whatever the case may be, it was very permanent. Everything is much more flexible and transient now. That's a great word for it. And the same mindset, this is a perfect opportunity for us to re-examine our thought process on interest rates. Because right now, there's a lot of buyers that are saying, I don't necessarily want to buy a home because I don't want a seven, eight, nine percent interest rate. That's scary to me. What if we shift that dynamic? What if we change that conversation and say, okay, right now we've talked about it, right? The market is a little bit softer right now. Mm -hmm. lock in at that interest rate, buy that home at a little bit of a softer price, because guess what? In the next one to two years, every economist out there has said interest rates are going to come down. We see it time after time with the, with the presidential elections. Totally. And refinance, change that rate. So if you actually go through the, the, the numbers with this, and lenders are doing this left and right now, right now, if you actually go through the numbers with this in mind, you're gonna do better longer term. So it's better totally. to buy the home at a softer price with a higher interest rate with the mindset that we're gonna change it when the timing is appropriate. Yeah, and again, going back to that standard interest rate, five to 6%, if we're at seven or eight, you know, that that refinance in two years, yep. that'll save you an extra $400, $500 right? on a four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars dollars Yeah, four to $500,000 house, you're gonna save $400 at that time. I, mean, I don't, I don't own a property that we haven't refinanced on at least once. Some of them we've refinanced on multiple times, six, seven times, Totally. for example. So, uh, but no, I think that that, that dialect, that mindset is something that we right now, especially we have to get comfortable with is that our clients that are in the market right now, they get that, they get that because they've been advised on it. But the whole point is, is understanding that interest rates aren't permanent. Yep. Right? I 100% agree. They weren't permanent at 3%. No, no. <laughs> well, and I think we talk about it a lot on the other side. We talk about when people do arms and the rate expires, but we don't always talk about the idea of taking a higher rate and bringing it lower. And I think that's the conversation we have to get really comfortable with right now. Totally. Okay, that, and that's right. a- So good segue into the two one buy down because this is, this is like one of those products where you and I both have been scratching our heads being like, what? is this like what is the benefit of this it's literally so let's explain what is so the question is my lender mentioned a program about a 2-1 buy down what exactly is that and how does it benefit me as a buyer okay and you're right when this program first came out there was a lot of head stretching going on because it just it took a minute to wrap your head around it and that's why we were so glad when we saw this question come through because if we're taking a minute to absorb it everybody's taking at least a minute to absorb it yeah. This is essentially hedging, hedging a bet on the marketplace that rates are going to come down. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's, that's the simple version. Let's make it complex now in a simple way. 
Yeah, okay, so who is paying for this 2-1 buy-down? Let's start I guess, with like, what it is before okay. we talk. Okay, all right, we'll start with what it is. So essentially what it is, is you are paying a 3% fee up front to pay down 3% of your loan, like of your interest rate. I'm so confused, two, Samuel, you're so, confusing me. So the first year, so it's 3%, the first year of your mortgage, you are buying the interest rate down by 2%. So if interest rates are at 7%, you're paying it to go to 5%. Then the second year, you take it as 1%. So two the first year, one the third, the second, and that's three. Okay. So the second year, you have a 7% interest rate. It actually goes down to 6%. Okay. After that, it goes back to the normal rate of 7%. At the end of the two years. At the end of the two years. So essentially what you're doing is you're paying that 3% to drop the payments down so that you have the monthly cost. So what are you trying to accomplish? So that is the fun question, which is why we've been scratching our heads. So you're paying 3% up front to buy down 3% for the next two years. Okay, so I'm bringing so, down my, my monthly cost. Your monthly cost. Okay. But you're paying for it up front. But I, I'm paying for it. Okay, so that, that... So that's where the who is paying for it comes up. So this is a product that a lot of sellers were talking to to entice some of the buyers is a giving them piece. a marketing piece, okay. totally. So it's for sellers to give this credit to buyers to do this over the next two years. Okay. And the cost of it is 3% yeah. of the loan value. Yeah. So essentially you're paying a dollar to reduce it by a dollar. But I think the, the big objective in this, the big point behind it is, okay, I, I think I, I, I'm staying with you now. Okay. Um, but I think the big thing to note on this is this goes back to the interest rates not being permanent. And what we're hedging our bets yes. on is that within the next one to two years, while we're in this program, that we have the opportunity to refinance at a, a more palatable number. Yeah. And then what happens? And, and so this is like where it actually becomes a really interesting product is so the seller is giving you 3% upfront to cover this buy down. If, again, we're trying to figure out crystal ball where these interest rates are going to be, so you have a two-year difference. In the second year, because we, t we now have realized that the Federal Reserve wants to keep interest rates a little bit higher for a little longer, yep. so maybe a year that we're going to have this 7%, 8%, 9% interest rate, what that does is the next year you refinance once within the interest, term. yeah, so yep. within that first two years, if you refinance because the interest rates go down, you actually can get that credit going towards your down, like towards your principal. The prorated, the prorated, yeah, the overage. prorated overage, which that makes it a little bit more interesting okay. and understandable. Otherwise, if if interest rates don't go down after two years, it is just you're a wash. Off. It's you're a wash. Off. Yeah. So you're so, he you're hedging a bet against interest rates, which just about every economist out there has said within the next 12 to 24 months, we'll see something that's a little less inflated and a little bit yeah. more reasonable. So it should be a relatively safe bet. Maybe you put a little extra money towards your equity in it. Yeah. Um, and once again, it brings down that cost right now immediately. Immediate, yeah. Which so. is like helping some people kind of stomach it. Okay. And once again, it goes back to that whole thought process on interest rates not being permanent, that we're working with this program to give a little bit more flexibility up front 
for some people that, yes. you know, the people that are feeling very cost restrictive, right? They're, they're a little nervous that the cost of the home has gotten more. It's going to help them in it with the idea that maybe we put a little bit more towards equity uh, moving forward. Yeah, and it'll be really interesting to see like what actually happens with the spring because again, that's a closing cost credit. Right now, it makes sense we because we're negotiating a little bit more, but yep. this product may actually be very short-lived in just general. Right. No, it's a, you know, and I think the marketing idea came up a little bit when sellers were looking to drop a price. If totally. you if you offer a credit for this versus dropping a price, you can actually reduce the the buyer's cost, monthly cost more. And and this is a strategy you and I've been using for a very very long time yeah. in negotiations anyways, a, a form of it with regards to paying for points and those types of things. Totally. This is not a time in which people are going to pay for points just to buy down an interest rate. That's a, I I don't know any lender that's going to recommend that right now because we already know that interest rates are on the high end. So Okay, yep. interesting. I mean, long story short, it comes back to the fact that well, I think we it's need... a yeah, I think it's a win-win for both parties, right? Like the seller, seller you don't have you don't have to reduce it by twenty five thousand. You give fifteen thousand, and then you yep. know that saves the buyer two hundred, three hundred, four hundred right? dollars a month. And I think everyone, everybody's happy. Everyone wins. Let's uh, let's kind of jump into this. this. This is a this is an interesting one. Yeah. Is it true that this type of market provides opportunities for people to take advantage of? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, so every year we have this conversation. Is this a seasonal thing and or is this like the market, right? And so right now it's a seasonal thing. Q3, Q4 is my favorite time to ever purchase, rent, sell, like move up, move down, like anything that you're trying to do. I always like Q4, just right. it's my favorite time. Um, it's a holiday special, essentially. <laughs> There's you want a you want black clearance in Bucktown. Yeah. So I mean the good thing is you're not as like it's not as competitive a market as the spring. Sure. And so you're not competing with a bunch of other like buyers for the same amount of properties. Yeah. And so typically it's a, it's a little slower. You get a little more negotiations. You can be a little bit more picky. What do you think the downsides are right now? But the downside is there's less houses on less the market. Houses. So the good thing is like the houses that are on the market typically need to sell yep. like the people who want to sell during this time frame yep. they need to sell yeah so you know take advantage of that that's what and I that even say. goes back to what we just talked about buy the house with a higher interest rate although it may be higher in january obviously yeah. buy the house with a higher interest rate and and kind of go on it yep here's a here's a great story now this is going to go back 12 months essentially but we had that listing over on uh, waveland on the market. <laughs> the scary bedroom with the crib. I, don't, I thought it was darling. Yeah, you thought it was darling. It was creepy. <laughs> Anyways, we had this lovely three bedroom condo by the lake, mm -hmm. great unit. The market got quiet at the end of the year. We couldn't, we couldn't give it away. We couldn't get anyone in it. We couldn't do anything. And I remember the sellers had to sell because it was a job relocation. They yep. were moving out of town. We couldn't give it away. We finally kind of pulled it off and put it in the pockets, I think, just for part of, of December. So just to throw some numbers out there, we couldn't give it away at 485, 475, anything like that. We relaunched the second week of, of January, right? Mm -hmm. Spring market is here. It didn't feel like spring, but spring market was there. It's two weeks prior to the spring market. Technically. Technically. But it started early. But it last started year. early last we year. We relaunched. Yes. 
we had so much interest, we sold competitively at 500,000. So we couldn't give it away for 475. We sold competitively for 500. We usually pick the strongest offer. We picked the strongest offer that we thought, but the buyer was a little loony. We pulled ourselves out of that offer because it felt a little off. We went back on the market the first week of February. We got another Which multiple is bid. The actual Tex spring market. Technical spring yeah. market. We got another multiple bid. We went under contract for 535. That was all within the course of a few months and the different market dynamics. So essentially $60,000. Wait, hold on. It's your yeah, your math is right. Yeah, 60000 But showing the difference in the market from that perspective, and, and yeah, I'm sure that buyer looked back and said, hey, this property was on the market in Q4 for this price, and I could have bought it for this price. And heck, at that time, that interest rate would have been a whole lot lower too. Yeah. Those are the people that are right now saying, hey, you know, it's not necessarily somebody that is absolutely looking for their unicorn, all right? This probably isn't the market for them. This yeah, because there's not going to be as many there's properties not be as to many choose homes from. For certain. Um, but there's definitely, I've got a few of my investors that have kind of started to pop out of the woodworks to say, hey, I've been really quiet in picking up investment properties. They understand the number game of the interest rate. So they're saying, hey, let me get in now for a softer yeah. price, knowing that I'm going to bring that, this is a longer term pull for me. I'm going to bring down that rate. The numbers are going to get better. I just needed to make enough sense right now. So I've got investors coming out. You and I always talk about our, our move up buyers, especially right now. Like not everyone has the opportunity to jump in and yeah. to buy before selling, but I've got a clients right now that their mindset is if I can buy in the buy next now. two months, then put my house sell on the market. In the spring, buy January for a lower, 28th. sell for a higher. This is the one time a year for those that can, that are in the luxurious position to do that. This is the yep. one time a year where you can kind of try and hedge that and work that you're buying a little bit lower and selling a little bit higher. So are there, there there's a lot of opportunities right now, especially when we start to bring those mortgage products back in that make it interesting. I think a lot of people make really bad decisions in uncertain markets because of fear, but fear is the perfect time when everyone else is afraid, that's when you make the decisions. And those people are typically the ones that do really well in our markets. Like in my experience. No, very true. And it's, it's usually the people that are a little bit more driven by numbers. Totally. And a little bit more sophisticated in that thought process. But these are the things that we're trying to help bring to the attention, right? Most of our consumers are buying homes. Mm -hmm. It's an emotional purchase. They're buying homes and that's emotional and that's fine. That's where we can kind of come in and say, hey, you might be able to get a little bit more bang for your buck right now, now versus then. Um, you know, I think it's those that are, you, you said bad decisions. I almost think it's a, a paralysis. It is a paralysis. People that is get a paralyzed to say, I way better way to put I'm it. watching this scary movie and I'm going to watch and see what happens next before I literally get in and say, okay, do that. <laughs> I want to know what's behind the door before I, before I, before I open and go through. Yeah. Right. So it it's a, the paralysis causes a lot of people to miss the opportunity. Yes. And I'm sure that actually, <laughs> That actually reminds me of a very funny story of me doing showings the other night and going up to, we, the apartment was three or the condo was number three. And so we went all the way up to the third floor, the top floor yeah. and started knocking on the door and the lady goes, who is it? Oh no. <laughs> and so after it, she was, she was like, 
oh, I'm so sorry. I, I couldn't hear you. And so she like, creeping. yeah, she saw us on the back patio and we were like, oh my God, so sorry. We thought it was on the third floor. Maybe it's the second floor. <laughs> and she was like, I was watching The Watcher on Netflix and it was Halloween night. It was Halloween night. Oh. And so she was like, oh my God. I didn't have a ski mask. Well, that's good. That would have been. That room, that was. No, little, but it's true. Little it's... funny showing story. Right. Okay. Um, so right. Yeah, I mean, so I think the kind of the takeaway is that, yes, there's opportunities right yeah. now for certain. The question is, is how long is that going to last? Yeah. We have a pretty good idea. It's, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. The market might be a little bit different. We're dealing with different things, but we've done this long enough that it doesn't, it doesn't change too much. Yeah, but I think like even going back to the competition thing, all of our open houses right now are slammed. Like yeah, the they're open all are, busy. They're all really busy, and they're all busy with buyers looking for the spring market. So that just like puts it into your mindset: this market is going to be busier come spring. And so, do you want to be in that competition, yeah. or do you are you a client who wants to think about it and maybe get a better? transaction right totally. now. Totally, and I think that's a great point. It's, I, I don't think it's really too, well, maybe one of our questions, but you know, just looking forward to next year, here's what we know. We know that inventory is going to remain tight. We are still dealing with a lot of the things that have, have caused a tight inventory. In addition, we have a lot of people in loan products that they don't want to give up. That's yeah. going to be a new thing, right? Somebody yeah, that has a 3% interest rate keeping. might say, I'm going to make it work for a little bit while longer, so that isn't going to come on. So. I don't think there's any projection that we're seeing within the Chicago area where we're expecting a ton of inventory. Yeah. So if all this demand that's a little bit kind of on the sidelines right now steps onto the field with limited inventory, most of our projections are is that, that spring absolutely has the ability to, to kind of be a little cutthroat and get a yeah. little bit competitive again. And I think those are the people that are saying now like, I think also if it goes back to a recession, right? Like from our first question, that's going to be a part of the recession conversation. Sure. If you have a low interest rate, which a lot of these people do, even if there's layoffs or anything like that, when employment goes down, those people are still saving money on a monthly basis totally. versus going into a rental market or going into the next like purchasing market. So it's going to hold our inventory down no matter what. Yeah, no, I think lower inventory is definitely part of our, our unforeseeable future. Yeah. Totally. Um, but once again, that that's what gives our, our confidence in the market, not going down the toilet. Yeah. Well, um, well, the other thing also that was a really interesting point that, I mean, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about affordability in Chicago and yep. how it's so affordable in comparison oh, to other every other markets. And we've, like... I think we were in like the top 10 of the most affordable markets in comparison to other things where like other, like we were at like 10% affordability where yeah. other markets were at 35 to 40%. We also didn't see with those huge runoffs. upswing, right? Yeah, so I mean, I think between that and we also still have steady growth. I don't yeah. think we have like a ton of people coming in, but I think that's yeah. also increasing our demand. The little engine that could, right? We are Slow and steady wins the race in Chicago. <laughs> that is true. All right, this is a fun question. This is a this fun is like question. Not, this is not market related, which will, is kind of fun. What are your favorite quick and cheap remodeling tips to give our homes a fresh look? No, I love this because, right, we have, we have kind of beaten the idea that renovations are super expensive and super difficult in the last couple of years. 
Yes, contractor prices are all up 25 to 30%. I mean, it's insane. Labor shortages, supply, supply chain, chain issues, everything. all that stuff has made everything. But absolutely, these are the things that we come in and talk to our clients about a lot. Yeah. Like, how do we give a, a little bit of pizzazz, whether it's going to market or somebody, even somebody that's buying but doesn't want to spend a lot of money right up front mm -hmm. just to give it a new look? Um, I always have to say the one thing that always, always gets me is paint. Paint, paint, paint. It's the cheapest way in my opinion to have huge impact and we are talking walls i've seen people painting floors cabinets have been a huge thing floors yeah i saw some wood floors that were painted white very very sharp really i could never do it with dogs and a kid <laughs> yeah no, kids and dogs sorry i eliminated one of my childhood there uh, but yeah paint in general now obviously if you're getting people to come in and do it it's going to get more expensive yeah uh, but in general i always think that paint for dollar for dollar has the biggest impact uh, on a space whether you're lightening it darkening it creating a new ambiance cabinetry um, just awesome that's a big thing for me um, you know little little touches in the kitchen um, backsplashes mm. i actually had a couple clients and i was totally fooled and i like to think i've got a pretty good eye there are now these I'm gonna diminish it when I say it. There are these sticker decals that look oh, like yeah. subway tile. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. They're interesting. They are interesting. I don't know how long it's gonna last. I don't know if cooking yeah. in a kitchen and stuff like that, but I had a client that was really crafty that kind of put these up on for a backsplash, didn't want to spend the money to put the actual tile up, hire anybody, didn't, you know. There are some pretty easy ways to do it. They were literally stickered up and it just all of a sudden, a little bit of a pop, and I think she said it cost her like less than $100. Oh my God, that's great. Um, cabinet pulls? I love cabinet pulls. Cabinet pulls yeah. are always a good I think that one. like always gives it a little fresh pop. Totally, even the style's a little bit yeah. different. The, the materials are a little bit different. Oh, I know you're big on this. Plants and greenery. I kill them. I, I mean, I can't keep it was anything like my, alive. It was my COVID thing. <laughs> you know, everyone wanted to decorate for Halloween. I live in a condo, like I can't, I have to put plants up. Yeah, so, I'm not very that. good at keeping the plants alive, but I, I think that a, a nice plant in, in a home is yeah. absolutely changes the aesthetic of it. Um, light fixtures? Light fixtures, light yeah, fixtures are, are always, always a good really one. great. The, they, other, um, the other one that I've like had a lot of clients been doing is painting the cabinets yeah, this year. They, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that one typically, I recommend that you have that done professionally but it's still a way less expensive cost than new cabinetry. But that, I think in the last couple of years, especially when we saw the kitchens go white and navy and gray, and I saw a hunter green kitchen the other day that was stunning. I was stunning. gonna say, one of my clients just painted their sage. Oh, and I'm like so super excited to see it. No, really pretty. So painted cabinetry, bathrooms, kitchens, I think yeah. is great. Um, mirrors, bathroom mirrors, I've seen a couple do so, kind of take down that big old Oh, the rectangle ones that like take up With the whole clips. wall. Yeah, and do something a little bit more decorative. You can go to Home Goods and get a get a mirror for less than a hundred dollars. Yeah. Put that up instead. You're painting the wall, obviously, before then. And then I had a couple of clients. I'm just so not crafty, um, but they did some of that, a little bit of that do-it-yourself wallpaper or wall oh, cover. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're supposed to call it wall coverings now, right? Oh yeah. Um, but those are all the little, it's the, as we say, it's the reasons HDTV are popular, right? Yeah, I mean, we always say a 90s house is always the best house to buy if it's, you like to just do a quick little lipstick 
Thanks. Makeup, not a facelift. Makeup, yes, makeup, not a totally. facelift. Totally, it's absolutely a couple of painted cabinets, maybe a new countertop. Now we're spending a little bit more money, of yeah. course, but you can absolutely recreate space for, for a small budget. Now, totally. So then what is your, so off of that, those yeah. are small fixes. What do you suggest always for your your best bang for your buck in terms of getting a return on your investment? I always find these so interesting. So best bang for your buck, I think hedging towards the smaller investments are always going to be big. You're going to do a big kitchen remodel, you're not going to get all that money no. back. But if you're going to take an existing kitchen or an existing bathroom and you're going to paint a cabinet, change totally. out a countertop, maybe a, a faucet and appliances, those, if you can keep your budget more Lower. minimum. Yep. I mean, not. It's not going to be cheap to do that stuff. Totally. I mean, that's still going to be an investment. But, you know, if you're going to do a seventy-five thousand dollars kitchen remodel versus a twenty thousand dollars freshening, that twenty thousand dollars freshening is going to is going to give you bang for buck all day long. Sweet. Love what do that. you think? I always like bathrooms. I think bathrooms are always typically like a really good way to go about it. I yeah. think that's like also where you can kind of put a little bit of design element into it. Sure. Um, and design element doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be expensive. Yeah. Like, just give it a little bit of a kind of a flair. I feel like we've seen a lot of like the standard like new construction. Yep. I think if you just have a little bit of an elevated thing, I think that goes a long way. So you'll appreciate this then. Our first project, right? You know that we've lived in a 130-year-old <laughs> Victorian for the last 16 years. Our first project when we were on a very, very limited budget was the powder room, right? Yeah, Small, easy. concise. And all we really did was there was a terrible tile floor. Mm -hmm. We had a sneaky suspicion as a 130 year old house that there was hardwood under there. So we chipped it up thinking that we were gonna put a tile down but hoping that there was hardwood and sure enough there was hardwood down there. So we had the hardwood refinished. We put on a very inexpensive wainscoting Ooh. and we actually put the same toilet and the same pedestal sink back in because it had been changed at some point yeah. in time and totally redone. Totally and redone. And on a very, very small budget. Love that. Yeah. Okay, where are we at now? Oh, this is a good one, right? This is definitely a good one. We're planning on buying a new home in 2023. Yeah. What should we be doing right now? Well, the big thing is start planning. Okay. So again, like the biggest thing is planning. We can strategize with you on what to do, how to like go about it. Also getting like pre-approved is, I think is always like the best thing. Just start talking your numbers. The thing that it goes with planning is if we get you pre-approved, a lot of the times, most of our lenders that we work with will improve your credit score. They'll like strategize with you. They'll be like, hey, like pay off this debt or hey, like you, if you do so change mortgage something. Strategy. Mortgage strategy. And obviously like if you have a better credit score, the lower your interest rate is going to be. And with Very a true. high interest rate, like market, that is gonna make a huge difference. But so what about the people that are afraid? Like, oh my God, I don't wanna to talk to a lender because I don't want them to pull my credit because my credit's gonna go down because the lender pulls it. Well, luckily uh, it is gonna be a hard credit pull, yep. which is fine. But if you're doing it with mortgages, it doesn't affect it. It's not so, like going out and getting a new car or yeah. credit card or anything like that. I mean, that. like when you look at credit scores anyway, there's the five things that go into it and hard inquiries is like, five percent of your actual credit piece. score it's it's such a small piece that it it doesn't make a difference but also if we're strategizing so far in advance like we we can actually make it up so in theory and that's a great point because i think a lot of people don't understand that is that if a lender pulls the credit right now and takes a look at it they can actually part of their job right as advisors is, you. is to help put you in the best position possible yeah and just like us 
if we're doing that in real time when it's happening, yeah, we can do it. But if you can give us a little bit of lead time, totally, we can strategize better. Yeah. I mean, half, you, you even said it to me the other day is that half of the people that you're working with right now came to you to say, hey, I'm thinking about buying next year. When you talked about everything that we've been talking about, you, they all of a sudden They're said- They're all now like, all right, well, let's sublease. Let's start look. Yeah, let's start now. Like, let's sublease. Like, we, we can have flexibility, which yeah. is sometimes the nice thing as well. And that whole planning, so that possibly we can put people in a better financial situation to be buying, right? Which is gonna be important in the new yeah. year. We can strategize to help them really take most advantage of what's happening in the marketplace for them. Um, so, you know, I, I think just those discussions, right? Initial yeah. discussions. What about also, finding- Also, like if, if you're looking for a product that isn't readily available all the time, sometimes it will come up before you're even ready to look. Very and true. so we just want to make sure that you're in position that, yes, if that does come up, we can so. say, hey. Well, I think the other things that we have to hit on, right? We're just kind of naturally assuming that we're talking about our clients here and our clients are going to call us up and say this. I think the other things that are really important to note, first and foremost, find an agent that you have confidence in, right? The majority of our clients come to us from referrals and thank you to all of our clients yeah, 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 for yeah, constantly yeah. <laughs> singing our praises at, at the rooftops. Um, we're making that assumption. But for people that are watching this that either aren't in the Chicagoland area, hey, we're still happy to help find people elsewhere. We've got connections all over. Mm -hmm. For those people, we need to kind of understand finding an agent that you have confidence in. So, so, I mean, like going back to a personal story for you, yeah. you're interviewing agents in Montana. Totally. And so like, and you had the funniest story the other day, which I would love for you to share it with people because I think it's so interesting no, being on our side. It's very true is that we've been, we've been inter interviewing agents on a, we're selling a property in Montana. Yep. We had worked with an agent before that we liked a lot about it, but you know, once again, it's just keeping everything sharp, right? And I tell mm -hmm. all, all of my clients, even if you want to talk to another agent, just to make sure the fit is good now, mm -hmm. I'm happy for that, right? I'm confident in what I have. I want the people that work with us to be really confident in that too. So we were talking to a couple of agents. This is a, a transaction with my father-in-law. So he, he was kind of driving the conversation. We talked to this one agent and just had a terrible experience. Like it was really good for me to see as a consumer. Totally. Because I it was one of those imagine. things that somebody kind of showed up for the Zoom call, felt very unprepared, felt very unknowledgeable on the market. And I literally walked away with that going, thinking to myself that so many people Actually, and, and my father-in-law was the perfect example. He's the type of guy that doesn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. So he's the type of person that would say, hey, I'll let's work you. with him. Yeah. Let's work with him. Where I walked out of that and said, I don't feel comfortable in that. I don't yeah. feel like trusting the, the sale of this major asset to somebody that I didn't have confidence in. So what did we do? We, we went on and we talked to some more agents. We talked to obviously our original agent. And once again, we're right back with our original agent because that's the place that we should be. Yeah. And that's the place that we had confidence in the first time and we had confidence in the second time. But it was one of those things that I think a lot of people, you know, don't. There's friendly and then there's, we have a strategy. Exactly. We have a proven strategy. This is exactly what we do. Step by step, we're gonna get you through this process. And a lot of that is the planning part of it. Totally, and we even tell some of our clients sometimes is that we, we would love the opportunity, but absolutely feel free to talk to somebody else. Feel okay to have that conversation. Yeah. We're, we're really comfortable in what we do and how we do it. We wanna make sure our clients are comfortable with that as well. Yep. Um, and yeah, so I think it's just that whole idea of taking active steps. There is no such thing as too early, right? We can absolutely 
I have clients that come to me that are literally going to buy probably Q3 next year. I'd rather talk to them in the next two, two, three months. Strategize. To strategize than not. Yep. Even if it's a 15 to 20 minute, I know, I know things are busy right now, right? We're going to get into the holiday, holiday jam, but I'd rather have a 20 minute call just to say, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is what we're expecting. This is the conversations yep. I, I want you to have. That just puts us all in a better position. Yeah, I agree. That was the last one. Uh, that was the end of our questions. I mean, the one thing that I just wanted to touch on again, right? Some of this stuff gets repetitive, but it's important, right? The majority of our clients are buying residential homes, right? We absolutely have investors and we have home buyers that want to be making good investments, but the majority of our clients are buying homes. And as we sit here and we talk about what's happening in the market and inflation and interest rates and costs and appreciation and all these things, that's an aspect of it. Yes. That's an aspect of purchasing a home. That's an aspect of living in it. But at the end of the day, it does come back to the emotional part. It's yeah. You're, you're living there. It is it's, your. It's home. not like a stock. You're just hey, it's strictly financial. There are other aspects that go into. Well, it. and it's the question that we ask so many of our clients: is that what is your biggest priority in this purchase? Totally. The majority, not all, the majority of our clients are going to come back to us and say. First and foremost, my biggest priority is that this is the home that I am going to live in. That's the biggest priority. The secondary priority is that I want to make a good financial decision. Totally. So I think there's just, we always need to come back to that reminder is that this is a home purchase for most of our clients and not to diminish the craziness of what's going on out there, but sometimes we even get a little caught in the minutia of what's going on out there versus kind of coming back yeah. and saying, hey, is this a home that's really going to help you accomplish your your familial, your life, your goals, right? Yeah. And that's why we say like even right now, it's everybody needs to move. Right. So, somebody's going to have to move at some point. Like, and you know, whether the market's up, whether the market's down, somebody's always going to need housing. Totally. And that's, I mean, that's why we're, we're employed. <laughs> right? We stay in business regardless, <laughs> regardless of what's happening in the market, right? If you yeah. look at the, if you look at our number of transactions, the volume we do year over year, it doesn't change too much what's going yeah. on in the market, right? We have tracked very similar numbers with some growth over the past couple of decades. Yeah. And that's because regardless of what's happening, people always need homes. That doesn't ever go out of style. You always need a place to go to at the end of the day and a, a bed uh, to put your pillow on and to go to sleep at night. Yes. So nice. anyways, it's been fun. It has been fun. And a reminder just to send in questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. next time. Yeah, because we want to answer your questions. I mean, and it doesn't always have to be about the market. It can be like some fun things. Like if you want to hear like our worst real estate stories, I don't know, just fun things out there. Absolutely, for certain. <laughs> Until next time, Chicago. Until next time, Chicago.